Welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, your host Chris Honholtz and Richard Story joining you for one last episode on the very last day of 2022. Happy New Year because all of you guys will be listening to this, well probably another day or so from now because tomorrow is the Lord's Day and if you're listening to this when you should be at church, shame on you. Uh, (laughs) But Happy New Year because most of you will listen to this in the coming week. And, uh, but we wanted to sneak one more in, and I, I owe y'all an apology. I did say we would drop at least a, uh, a rerun episode last week, and then Christmas hit, and we were all over the place. And so sitting down to put something on the computer completely slipped my mind until it was after the fact. So I apologize for that. But uh, welcome once again. We're so grateful to be with you. We're so grateful that we got to have last week off and spend that time with our families. Thank you so much for that. And we hope you all were blessed by your time with your families and with your churches uh, during the Christmas uh, holiday. And that more than anything, even though there's much cultural tradition that goes with that, especially here in America, Uh, We hope that central to all of that for you and for your family was the worship of Jesus Christ incarnate, uh, without whom we have no hope of salvation. So I hope you enjoyed that. hope you enjoy your coming new year. We are going to kind of sort of talk about the year in general and what we want for the future, but we don't do New Year's resolutions here. Number one, I break them about five minutes after I make them. Uh, number two, that's just not what we do. We we don't do the whole New Year's resolution thing, but we do think that sometimes taking an opportunity to review the year that has come and what would you what would you do different? What would you what have you done that uh, you feel honored God and and how can you honor God in the future? I think that's always a good thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And and starting a new year certainly can be one of those things. Uh, want to remind you, by the way, we are part of the Christian podcast community. Please check out all the programs on there. Find something that you will be blessed by and share it with others. Uh, you can also follow this program's website at slavetothekeen.com, as we have always said. If you are new here, uh, please go check out the website. Get signed up as a follower for the account because even though Elon Musk uh, currently owns Twitter and uh, it's been a little bit nicer to have a little bit more free conversation, that probably won't last forever. And certainly other other social media outlets still are involved in their continuous ongoing censorship of anything that isn't... Well, look, if it doesn't lean left, they don't want anything to do with it. So we encourage people to follow at least that way so you can have updates on the program, any new content we put out, how you can reach us, how you can support us, etc. By the way, those that do support us, I want to thank one of our our, our listeners who she has on occasion uh, provided to the program and recently um you know did, did did so again and because of that gift, we now have a a, a mute my button. <laughs> so when I start hacking and coughing because I'm talking too much and I haven't taken a swig of water, uh you guys won't hear it. <laughs> I've got a little mic, a little Rolls dot. see Rolls MS11 mic switch. I can hit the button, and I don't blow eardrums out if I start coughing. So thank you, uh, Barbara, for for your gift. That was uh, one of the things that we put toward that, and uh, we're so grateful for you. So I want to thank you all again. Uh, we really hope that this last year, it, with all its ups and downs, has been something that the Lord has used to continue to refine you. And if, it, if you do not see that, I want to encourage you right now, stop listening for a minute and remember something. That And, and I, I have to thank Jerry Bridges, um, God bless him, uh, 
in his book, A Transforming Power of the Gospel, one of the things that he says that I read recently just resonated with me is that all of our afflictions are things that God uses to develop our character and more more to the point to make us, uh, to conform us more to the image of Christ. So with all that we've seen in this last year, and we'll talk about different things we've seen, remember that as tr- many of those trials and tribulations that you did face in this last year, every one of them was geared to conform you to the image of Christ. And that is God's blessing. And uh, this is something my pastor has taught me is that we have to be willing to be thankful for even the trials and tribulations, especially for those, because he is doing exactly that. He is putting us through the refiner's fire. And we certainly are not done with that yet. We won't be done until he takes us home in glory. So take that with you into this new year. So Rich, um, how are you doing this week, brother? As we are finishing out 2022, how are you this week, brother? Well, as always, brother, I'm better than I deserve. Amen. I'm just thankful the Lord has blessed us through another year. Last several years have been a lot of ups and downs in society and for both of us personally and in our families. And this year was no exception. But before we start basically rambling into tonight's <laughs> conversation because that's, that's what we usually kind of where we headed to yeah, that's, that's kind of where we headed tonight this one's not really scripted or planned or noted or anything else we're just going to kind of have a round table discussion on the on this past year and the upcoming year but before we do that who is this lady that i keep seeing everybody talking about that they keep mentioning on these different podcasts and dr white and Daryl and Virgil and, and you know for some reason who is this again? You know Julie has managed to get herself mentioned on at least two high profile shows. Now I don't know if you guys follow GMK Julie on, on Twitter. It's uh you know at GMK underscore Julie and I don't know what why she thinks she's she, she she's also known as Julie married to a Thomas but not a Thomist. I, I don't know why she thinks she's so special. I managed she's managed to get mentioned so many times on so many different shows, and then she wants. And this is a person, Julie, GMK Julie harasses me regularly on on Twitter, and then wants us to mention her on her show. And I, I don't know what GMK Julie thinks that she's going to get out of you know trying to push me to to mention her on the show. She's not going to get mentioned on the show. I told Julie she's not getting mentioned on the show, so. Uh, sorry, Julie, but you're not. You, you, you're nice. You stopped by my town when we were not home, unfortunately. But you're not getting mentioned on the show, Julie. We, you, you, you're not in. You didn't get inspired on the, uh, this show. You, you didn't. You didn't uh, contribute to the show. <laughs> and I can't say this with a straight face anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying. Julie is actually a good friend of ours on Twitter, and this I was just I I'm, was I'm trying sorry, to do it. This, I gotta throw this in. Maybe we need to start trending the hashtag. Don't mention Julie. <laughs> I like that. I like that. We will definitely we will we'll definitely hashtag this show. Julie was not mentioned. So <laughs> there you go. Julie was not mentioned in, in this, this program. <laughs> I'm sorry, well, Julie. We love you, sister. Um, as much as sometimes you are, you're the, you're the big sister I did not grow up with. Let's just just say that Julie is relentless. I will tell you that right now. I, you know, this is going to make Andrew mad. Um, she can sometimes be more relentless than Andrew. As I mean, she gives no quarter. <coughs> this, this girl, pu- this girl has pushed back 
now now we got to get you a mic switch uh, a, a mute switch for your mic. No, uh, I, 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 something about the more more than Andrew. But anyway, go ahead. <clears throat> he's he's not gonna like I said that, but, but I'm telling you, she is as bad as him. And in some ways, it's worse because you it's you're fighting with a girl, man, and you don't want to be mean. Andrew, I have no problem doing. Boy, am I gonna get in trouble for this? He is so gonna make make me miserable for this one, but it's like you don't want to knock her down, you know. <laughs> but she is she actually is a dear sister. She's actually very kind. She's been uh, very gracious, even though she, you know one of her most joyful things in life seems to be hounding the living daylights out of all of us. Uh, <laughs> But uh, she just she she just wanted to make sure she got mentioned on the show because she she's been mentioned on so many shows, um, and I, I I busted her chops and told her absolutely not no way not with all the grief you give me and we wanted to make sure she got a number of mentions on this show. <laughs> so that's that is all your mentions for like the next year, Julie. You're covered. Okay, we're done now. <laughs> and as you were saying all this. I'm sitting here listening to the sounds coming from somewhere across the neighborhood or down the couple of streets over, and it just dawned on me, okay, that's not gunfire. That's just someone shooting off fireworks <laughs> because I completely forgot it was New Year's Eve, and I was beginning to wonder if I needed to start ducking and <laughs> duck do the and duck cover. and cover thing or call the police because there's a <laughs> army invading my little town or whatnot, but because I'm sitting here trying to figure out what gauge gun is that because it's nine o'clock at night where I'm at and no <laughs> one should be out hunting. Even you know, in my neck of the woods, it's pretty common to hear gunfire off in the distance this time of the year where people are deer hunting. And I'm like, okay, I keep hearing these booms. What in the world's going on? And it just dawned on me. Okay. This is new year's Eve. That's fireworks. Okay. never mind. So we're not playing a game can, of guess can, the caliber. So <laughs> I can take my football football helmet off and, take all this Kevlar back off and, and <laughs> put my guns away and get out from under the bed. Hey, there you go. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So as Rich said, this is New Year's Eve. And so we are finishing out the year uh, literally on the, I don't, I can't, I don't think we've ever actually recorded a show in six and a half years where we actually recorded it on the last day of the year. At least I can't think of a time we did. I have to go back and look. I, I was thinking of that earlier and no, I can't remember ever doing it either. Cause so, Typically, we either take the entire month of December off, or we take at least the last two weeks yeah. completely off. Yeah, and and this time we only did it the one week. So, um, I, I'm shocked people listen to us when we do. When we we're just all over the map on when we take time off. So, <laughs> but but uh, with this being the last the last day of the year, really just wanted to kind of make some observations, just kind of back and forth a little bit about things we saw. And then maybe kind of wrap it up with where we would like to see things go, especially for the program in the in the year to come. And so one of the things that I was telling Rich in pre-show is that this last year, we, you know, this was a uh, you know midterm election year, and in just a few days, uh, a lot of uh, congressmen and senators are going to be taking office that got voted in, and it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. But with the culture war post you know, 2020 election and the involvement of the Christian church in so much of the moral issues of the day, which which we have articulated, I think, more than once. I think that's not a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. One of the things that I saw personally that really uh, stuck out to me was, well, okay, let me back it up a little bit to 2020, uh, the 2020 election. 
where I saw Beth Moore, she was the first one that I had ever seen use this term, Christian nationalism. And it was really kind of being used as a bit of a slur for those who, Rich, you and I talked about the people that kind of helped pave the way for getting rid of Donald Trump because he was such a terrible guy. And then we get this mentally vacant president who's a puppet for the, the, the hard left. But it was kind of a slur. If you were uh, someone as a Christian who believed that the word of God should be foundational to how we vote and what we see being done in culture, you were labeled this term Christian nationalist. And I always kind of saw it as a bit of a, uh, a bit of a slur. And I remember um, asking at one point, where did this term come from? And, and I'd like to get some understanding where people are getting this phrase and what they mean by it, because if we're going to kind of respond to it, it, be, it would be wise to, uh, to understand what, what the term is and, and how uh, how they're using it. Well, what I learned, and uh, I can thank uh, I think it was William Wolf that was the one that kind of pointed this out to me. He's a he's an advocate of for an actual positive stance of Christian nationalism, and it's I almost would want to say the way I and I need to study this. This is one of the things that I need to change this year is my time management, but understanding the term Christian nationalism as an actual theological practice from a positive aspect rather than the, oh, you're a pro-Trumper, so you must be a quote-unquote Christian nationalist and you're evil. But rather, there are some who seem to look at it maybe from a post-millennial theonomic kind of viewpoint. If I And again, I'm, I'm, trying not to, uh, I'm, I'm trying to say this based on what I've observed so far, but there were a lot of people post 2022 midterm election when the the red wave didn't really happen as more the red trickle and i saw a lot of christians who were advocates of this positive form of christian nationalism become very vocal i mean it's not that they weren't vocal before but it's like the 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 dial got moved up to 11 and they became very very vocal online some of you guys, by the way, really need to dial it back maybe to seven. Um, I, I love a lot of our brethren and, and some of the folks who are who are advocates of actual Christian nationalism. Some of you guys can be, look, if somebody challenges you, be respectful. Some of you guys, not all of you, a lot of you are pretty, pretty respectful. Some of you guys are just downright rude. Um, that's just a personal observation. I got a couple of you on mute because I got tired of it. Um, and, and hopefully in weeks to come, you guys will chill out, but, uh, it's, it's really kind of this, and I'm sympathetic to some of what I'm hearing, but again, this is not something I'm going to get into detail much. Maybe we can do this in the coming year. might be good to have William Wolf and some others come on the show. And I think he's even offered to do that, um, to explain what, what they're talking about. But if you are familiar with kind of a, a theonomy, uh, the idea of the law of God, being implemented in a governmental structure. That's what I saw a lot of people pushing for and still are. And there are a lot of discussions about that, some of which seem to be interesting, some of which, like I said, you guys need to calm down a bit. But one of the things that, I, that I've observed in that, Rich, is, and this is, I think, you and I would probably agree on this, it's while I have no problem with a moral structure, a legal structure that reflects the law of God. And I have said many times over, 
I think as Christians, everything we do needs to be informed by Scripture. So when I go into the voting booth or I try to elect a representative or I petition for a law to be made, it everything about it should be informed from Scripture. And I'm not going to worry about whether or not the person next to me in the other uh, the other voting booth agrees with that or not because my biggest concern is honoring God. And so I want to make sure that the things that I uh, vote for, the representatives I try to elect, they should be as close as humanly possible to reflecting what God's law, God's word says. And so I'm sympathetic to the idea of a moral structure, a governmental structure that's founded upon that. I, I don't have an issue with it. In fact, I would argue that much, not all, but much of our, our current governmental structure, as thin as it is anymore, uh, the, the foundations are pretty much eroded, um, was a Judeo-Christian ethic. Okay, so much of it was influenced by that. The concern that I have is 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 kind of twofold. Number one, instituting a a governmental structure that is solely based upon scripture. And again, I'm not in. I'm not against that. If, if, if there are many people that I saw and, and, and who even argued their their position to me was, well, if we have the law of God in place, that law reflects to the unbeliever this is that they need the gospel. Okay, fair, I get that. Here's the problem. We are forgetting that what God, I believe, and I think most of us would agree with, is God is currently has this nation under judgment. Romans chapter 1 is very clear. What happens to a nation as it continues to pursue sin and reject God. He gives them over to depravity. gives them over to a debased mind. And I think one of the things that in our zeal to establish something like a, a theonomic or Christian national government is you could be fighting against God himself. If God is looking to turn America over to judgment, look, there's no amount of theonomic structure, there's no Christian nationalism structure you're going to be able to put in place. God's going to say, no, we're done here. Uh, and we see that in Scripture when we're looking at the prophets, you know, the major and minor prophets. I mean, there's a point where God says to, to his prophet, don't pray that I would not send them into captivity. That's not going to work. Don't even bother praying. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. There's a point where God's judgment is so certain, so sure, that no amount of effort at Christian nationalism or theonomy or whatever you want to put into place is going to reverse that. When, the prophet, when a prophet was told, don't even bother praying to me, don't intercede, I think we have reason to believe that there is a point where we can be, rest, we can be assured that God will judge a nation. And I believe we're, we're, we're seeing the ramifications of that now. With that said, and I know this is where a lot of supporters of, of things like Christian nationalism would get very upset with me and say, oh, you're being pietistic and all this stuff. I had somebody actually do that to me once. Um, look. I, I, again, I support the idea of, as a Christian, voting as a Christian, electing officials who represent what God's Word says, but I also recognize that doesn't save anyone, okay? Having a good moral foundation for your government, having good moral foundation for your laws, having a good moral foundation for the people who are in the government, 
I think those are great, but they they in of them themselves are not the gospel. They will not save. It is the gospel itself, the proclamation of the gospel, that brings people to salvation. In fact, some of the greatest growth of the church, not church growth methodology, like we'll talk about a little bit, but rather the growth of the universal body of Christ has been in times of persecution, when times when the church was not influential, at times when all you had was the gospel to be proclaimed from person to person to person. So I just want to argue for what I saw in this last year. I'm not saying don't pursue it. I'm saying there needs to be a balance. And I think the balance of that is as the church, we need to be raising up what Vody Balcom calls inter, uh, intergenerational faithfulness or generational faithfulness, excuse me. In other words, preparing the following generations to follow Christ. Not just talking to people right now, but talking to our, our kids now so that they will talk to their kids, so that they will talk to their kids, and preparing them to live in a world that will be completely antithetical to the Word of God and, and, and completely at war with it. If we aren't preparing them for that, if our, all our eggs in one basket, so to speak, of let's restore the republic in a Christian nationalist uh, movement, I, I think it can, can become unbalanced, and I, and I see that becoming problematic, and it can also be something that creates a lot of hopelessness in people if, if what it is is God is actually judging the nation and turning it into just giving it over to paganism. So, uh, Rich, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, and I won't go into this deep, and like you said, maybe we'll have a discussion later on, but mm -hmm. first, we need to look at what the Bible commands of a government. The government is there to enforce the peace, to punish evildoers, and basically leave those who abide by the law alone. And there may be other deeper aspects of that within Scripture, but first, government is not there to proclaim the gospel. That is the command of each church and individual Christian. So that being the case, the best way we can honor Christ in the way that we vote is by voting for the individual who's going to most honor the office to which they're being elected, meaning they're going to adhere to what the terms and definitions of that office happens to be. In the case of a president, the, the role of our federal government is to protect our borders keep the peace, and enforce the laws. Just kind of stripped down to the bare minimum. Um, the problem is people don't realize that we already are living in a socialist country because all the issues we see debated and voted on are social issues. We are already living in a socialist country in that, in that aspect because very rarely do you hear defense discussed or... or or laws being discussed when it comes to preventing crime or punishing wrongdoers. In fact, we see the opposite. They're trying to let more and more people out and lower the standard of what the government's law are to where, okay, we're, we're, this has been illegal for umpteen decades, but we're just going to start slapping people on the wrist for this. They're lowering that bar down to where, you know, they're allowing more what we used to know as sin or used to know as, as crimes they're lowering that bar to where it's allowed now. Well, the government's failing in these different aspects 
adhering to both our Constitution and to what roles Christ himself has given them in ruling a people. Now, a lot of times, sadly, people are, have made an idol out of the 50s, 1950s America. They want our country to look like that again. It will never, ever be like that again. For one problem, or for the main problem with the term Christian nationalism, we live in a country founded on Judeo-Christian values. But within America today, the vast majority of those who profess to be Christian can't even define the term Christian themselves because now almost every heresy throughout the age of the Bible and through the New Testament and the centuries since, almost all those heresies are alive and well today from, you know, almost anything you can think of. Basically, they believe anything today except the actual Word of God, and we'll get into this a little bit more later. So the first problem with any form of Christian nationalism, the, the, the roadblock first is the fact that we are not living in a country that even understands what it means to be a Christian. When we have multitudes of churches that are embracing, supporting, and encouraging drag queen story hours and, and lesbian pastors and women preachers and homosexual pastors and all these things that are not in a gray area in the Word of God, but are actually condemned by the Word of God, yet they think these people can practice this sin and still be a Christian. That is a foundational problem if you're discussing the issue in the realm of Christian nationalism. The, the more proper, appropriate term that they're striving for should be a moral nationalism because a Christian nationalism, that's impossible. We will never see that unless this country implodes on itself or gets invaded and a full-blown persecution happens. You'll never see true Christianity arise to the point to where it might have been you know, 100 or 150 years ago, but even then there was a lot of problems, but that's a whole different sidetrack right there. But <laughs> the problem is I don't see it as a promotion of Christian nationalism. They're wanting a moral nationalism, yeah. and those two are completely, completely different things. Moral nationalism, even then, if you define morality as the Bible define it, defines it, even a moral nationalism would be impossible because anything that we're seeking to achieve, anything that any man or woman are, are advocating for or they're trying to get people to vote for, anything that is a work of the flesh is going to fail. And, and you were talking about God's judgment against this nation. I think... We are. I, I do think God is judging, judging this nation and turning it over to sin. But I think the main problem is the fact that it's judging the professing church in this country for having abandoned His Word, for having abandoned proclamation of His biblical gospel, and for have abandoned in all that He teaches and His truth. The professing church has abandoned all of these things, and I think that's why we're seeing. The country as a whole being given over to a Romans one type society, mm -hmm. because if any if if I had to de describe this generation or this country right now in any one word, 
it would be Antichrist. We're living in an age of Antichrist. When you have multitudes upon multitudes of churches encouraging, promoting, and embracing a form of sin that is condemned in the Bible, they're doing all this and embracing it and telling people that you can still be a Christian and practice these things. That is a way that Satan perverts the true gospel. That is a form of the Antichrist. I mean, you know, people have different views and ideas and thinkings about some of the scripture verses when it talks about about Antichrist. But what could be more Antichrist than claiming Christ but living in a way that promotes sin? Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it's you can't separate the two. But I I think that's one of the problems that really reared and, and revealed itself this year in a lot of ways. For one thing, look back to, I think it was June within the SBC, there's a lot of things that came to light that mm-hmm. most people didn't realize. One being that Rick Warren is basically the Pope of the SBC and a traditional Christian based Bible believing convention or denomination. When they get or devolve to the point where they're having to do studies as to what is a pastor mm-hmm. and they're debating over whether a woman can pastor or not. Well, in the next couple of years, they're going to start debating over whether a practicing homosexual can actually be a Christian or not, because they abandoned the Word of God decades ago. Yeah. And this is just one of many different examples. And we've seen all these other denominations go down this path and look where they're at today. But it's just some thoughts and comments I wanted to kind of throw in there to maybe get some, some of our listeners thinking about some of these mm-hmm. things. But... You know, we 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 love tradition in America, but sadly, a lot of people have abandoned what God has stated. They've abandoned God's truth for the American dream, and I think they have confused the American dream with what God has actually stated in his word, the Bible. And I think we have a lot of people more concerned and more worried about pursuing the American dream and having everything their way than they are about pleasing God in God's way, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. In fact, it does, because that actually plays into something else that I was thinking about with regard to what we saw this year. You you were mentioning the embracing of things that are patently sinful. And yet in this last year, I mean, we saw churches tripping over themselves, not only to which they've been doing for a while, which is the whole, hey, we need to affirm people who are homosexual or who are bisexual or lesbian. But now the whole transgender and even to the point of like including drag queen story hours or performances inside of professing churches. And it was uh, there was an individual on Twitter that somebody shared what he had posted and it was... Uh, Honest, honest youth pastor, honest YP tweets. That's the, the the individuals. I don't know anything about him. I just liked his comment. He said, it's very strange to me that so many churches went from holding a biblical view of sexuality, yet in a matter of a decade, now contend for the use of preferred pronouns, LGBTQ plus marriage, and avoid addressing premarital, premarital cohabitation. To which my response is, yeah, they... they that's actually not as a big, as big a surprise as we think because so many churches that these 
seeker-friendly kind of compromised pragmatism style churches because they wanted to grow the church. They held a, that tenuous view of things like marriage because it was culturally accepted to do so. You know, the whole church growth method, Rich, we've talked about this on the show many times, was about meeting people where they are, addressing their felt needs. You go back a decade, um, you know, biblical marriage, I'm not going to say natural marriage, I'm going to call it what it is, biblical marriage, a good portion of the country felt man and woman is still marriage. There were still a lot of people, even though it was kind of, you know, the Obergefell had, had happened and, and gay marriage was now forced upon the, the nation. Many people still held to that, you know, man and woman is a marriage, everything else is not. And yet, in the last decade, we've seen the culture shift. And so what have the churches that want to meet people where they are done? They've gone with that. They, they're more concerned about their methodology of drawing in the quote-unquote unchurched and so they were focused on entertainment, uh, self-help gobbledygook, all of this stuff that w were intended to draw people in. So you're not equipping people with the Word of God. You yourself are not even teaching the Word of God. So it's not a big shock that they're abandoning marriage. It's not a big shock that they're abandoning b uh, biblical sexuality. It's not a, uh, a surprise that they're abandoning biblical form of uh, or biblical understanding of, of sex and gender. Uh, so, hey, brother. Yeah, go ahead. I just want to throw this in while you're right here. Mm -hmm. I actually think it goes back farther. I think the shift started occurring around the turn of the century, around the 2000, late 90s, early 2000 era, because in order for the vast majority of Americans to embrace and start voting in and, and, and doing away with the don't ask, don't tell military policy to the um, voting in and debating on whether same-sex marriages should be legalized or not. Prior to all of that, there was a shift of opinion throughout the country, throughout society, because without that shift, these laws and changes mm -hmm. would have never been put in place. And I think in the last decade, we see more results of the previous decade. What occurred during that decade, I think we're seeing the results of it now more so than prior to the legalization of same-sex marriage is yeah. being put into place, but there was a lot going on basically up, up under the surface of the ocean, so to speak. There was a lot going on that most people probably either ignored or were not aware of. And in order for our government to get to a point to where they quit d doing the don't ask, don't tell, and basically saying, okay, we don't care whether you're gay, homosexual, lesbian, whatever title, you know, We'll, we'll we'll sign you up, and then the government, back to under Obama, you know, enacting the Same Sex Marriage Act and legalizing same sex marriage, because even then it was well they deserve the same right, or we only want the right to to mm -hmm. do this this or this, but it goes back farther than that because there were changing changes going on within this American society leading up to that in order for the government itself to acknowledge what this immoral society actually was desiring and wanting. Mm -hmm. By the time, a lot of times, by the time it actually makes it to Washington, D.C., and the federal government's voting on something or acting on something, especially in the areas of 
immorality or sexual immorality, by the time it is reached there, it is so engulfed in American culture that it's a no-brainer for the government to go right along with it, much less corporations. And sadly, the next result is the so-called professing churches jumping on the bandwagon mm-hmm. because, well, if this is what society wants, this is what we need to get them yep. because we've got to get butts packed in these pews because if we stand against it or talk out or speak out against it, our collection plates are going to dry up. Our book sales are going to go away. We're not going to yep. be getting all these conference speaking gigs. And that's exactly what the professing church has done, especially more so, I think, in the last two years than it has any other time in the last 50 years. Yep. No, I, I, I can't disagree with that at all. I, I, I fully you know, support what you're saying there. And that's the thing I think, look, I mean, we have Christians today who can't discern the latest Christian fad as being unbiblical and the problems that it brings with it, how can we possibly expect them to understand that when a man wearing a dress who sits in the White House pretending to be a girl, Dylan Mulvaney, how, how can we expect them to, uh, to recognize he's, um, being, he's not being himself, he's not being his true self, He's rebelling against God. We, we, every time the newest Christian fad comes along, we're we're jumping on board. And by the way, if you know, if you're not sure who I'm talking about, Dylan Mulvaney is the guy that's a, a, a year of living as a girl or something like that, and made like big headlines because he was one of the people that interviewed Biden at the White House. And I mean, earlier this month, you know huge to do because here's a guy carrying tampons that one of the tampon companies gave him because it's profitable to be supportive of this and he's telling women well the reason you're upset with the tampon company is because you're you're just transphobic it's a complete attempt to control thought and language but you've got churches imbibing this and telling their congregations they need to imbibe in it. Why? Because these are the same cultural Christianity that looks at, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, is looks at shows like The Chosen and cannot discern that it's got serious biblical issues and it shouldn't be something we're jumping on board with. And hey, I, brother. Yes. Before you get on that aspect, I want to ask you a question about mm-hmm. some of these individuals and I can't remember the name you just said, but the gentleman carrying around the tampon. When I hear about these things, the first thing that pops into my mind is, okay, how much is he getting paid to do this? How much are they paying him to act like this? How much are they paying him to say what he says? Or does this person really truly believe it? Either way, they're promoting a lie because if they believe it, they've convinced themselves of a lie. And if they're just doing it to make money, then they're practicing greed, pride, Mm -hmm lying and everything else under the sun. But I, that that's just something that pops in my head when I hear about some of these stories and, and issues and news headlines and the, you know, what is it, the Secretary of Education mm-hmm. that's a cross-dresser and oh, yeah. the military one standing there in high heels and a skirt. I can't remember his name, but it's like, you know, how greedy are these people if they're willing to act like this and dress like this just to get a title or just to get a job or just just to get paid 
because I don't, I'm convinced most of them do not even believe it themselves. I think they're just doing it in order to receive a paycheck. And I don't know what is worse, if they're actually deceived into believing this is okay, or if they know it's wrong and they're actually doing it just so they get paid. What's your opinion? I think there's a combination of things. And you're, by the way, you're talking about Rachel Levine. It's not Rachel Levine. His name is actually, I think it's David Levine. He is a man. He is not a woman. He is the, he is the United States Assistant Secretary for Health and was appointed as a four-star admiral in the United States Public Health Service Commission Corps. That's when you see him wearing a women's uniform. Um, I think there are many people who genuinely believe this. The idea of gender dysphoria is considered a mental health issue. I would argue it's a sin issue. It's a it's an issue of our fallen nature succumbing to that which is, uh, you know, everybody has a proclivity. Some people lie. Some people steal. Some people practice sexual immorality. Some people are rejecting the, 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 uh, the, the nature of the gender that God gave them. It's a sin issue, and we need to address it the way we would any other issue, and that's through the scriptures and through the gospel. Um, so you have some people that genuinely have this issue. There are others who, um, if you want an interesting study on it, uh, it was um, a book, I forget the author's name, it's called Irreversible Damage. The author does, it's a secular book, by the way, it's not a Christian book, but she she does a good job establishing how this transgender craze, and that's the term that's used in the book, has a lot to do with social media and the influence, uh, uh, pol political pressure and social influence put upon um, medical industry, the, the politics that have gotten involved. And so how much of that has led a lot of young people into confusion. And so it's like, oh, you, you play with, uh, you're a girl, but you play with the football, uh, like a boy's sport. That means you're actually a boy. And so a lot of this has been intentional efforts to create more transgenderism in the in the nation partly for social change purposes i think there's a lot of money involved in it as well uh, certainly companies like tampon companies know darn well that D dylan mulvaney is doesn't have periods and by the way if you've seen a tiktok video of a young man he is a man who, who is taking hormones acting like and i say acting acting like he's having a period uh, and he's getting muscle cramps from it. You, by the way, you can't do that. That's physically impossible. You don't have the plumbing for it. Um, there, you have a lot of people who are doing it because there is money to be made, and these tampon companies know that right now this is the socially acceptable thing, so they're going to jump on board. So you have a multitude of issues, but primarily, I think the biggest reason that we're seeing so many individuals do this is it is an effort, just like we've talked about with the whole woke movement, uh, critical race theory and everything, it's an effort to tear down the existing uh, structure that our nation was founded upon, the Judeo-Christian beliefs of this nation, to destroy them utterly and replace it with something else. And it's just a matter of time that if and when they are able to accomplish that, and I think they eventually will, um, because we have lots of history that shows us how this works, um, those individuals, like Dylan Mulvaney, like the young man who uh, is pretending to have menstrual cramps, like uh, uh, Daniel or David Levine, not Rachel Levine, um, they will become fodder. They will be cannon fodder. They will be removed and moved on. Um, there was a, I, I, I'll see if I can find the video again and share it in the uh, in the notes for this show. You really should watch. There was a 
um, 1980s interview with a former KGB propagandist. And he talks about how the leftists who think they're going to be in charge one day, when the people who are really in charge take control, those people, he says, look, they're, they're going to be put away in prison camps or they're going to be killed. Because those are the people that, quote-unquote, know too much. They are the ones that will fight you because they wanted to be in charge. Um, and, and they're not going to be. So they're, they're cannon fodder for right now. They're useful. They're useful tools to accomplish a social goal. And it's happening worldwide. So this is man. It kind of goes back to you know Psalm 2, which this is, Why do the nations rage and plot a vain thing? This is what you have. You have a lot of different people worldwide who want to accomplish a particular social change and they think they can wrest control away from God. And so this transgender st stuff, the sexual immorality, the, the, the um, LGBT alphabet is, be, is a tool that they will use to accomplish their goals. We know that God will one day judge them all for it, but that, that's what's going on. I think you have a multi, multiple layers of, of sin going on for multiple reasons, but ultimately for one goal, and that is to affect socio-political change on a worldwide scale. I mean, I think that's what you're really okay, dealing you, with. Well, answer, and you can just very, very briefly, which is worse, someone knowing that they're lying to get paid or someone that is so deceived they actually believe their own lie? Which is worse? I think both are terrible. Um, I think there is a, a particular evil in promoting something that will create confusion for money or for power. I think that's because it's an intentional lie for your own personal gain. I think it is tragic when someone has been led into confusion to lead them be led into sin because they're telling being told it's a virtue. I think that's it's tragic yet you will be held accountable for it. And the the reality is and, and you're, there's plenty of videos out there as much as the, the internet tries to hide them of young men or young women who are now what they call detransitioning, who are angry, like viscerally angry that they were lied to and that their lives are utterly destroyed because they can never get back what they lost. And there is a great tragedy in that. I want to share this with our listeners because you mentioned it about the former KGB agent. If you want to understand and study the socio-political aspects of what we're seeing going on in our in our nation now and if you want to see how it can be used to basically for other for whoever whether they're within our own government or a foreign government how they can use what's going on what we see going on today how they can use that to overthrow a government google and do some research on the sexual revolution of russia in 1917, it paved the way for the mm -hmm. Soviet Union and for the conquest and the complete annihilation and slaughter of millions of people from about 1929 onwards. Do some, do a deep dive and do some study and research on the sexual revolution of Russia in 1917. I won't go into it now, but let me just put it like this. There's some aspects of Russia in 1917 when this happened that would make today's things that we see going on look like a Puritan picnic. Yeah. 
when it comes to even the drag queen story hours, there were things that were going on in Russia in 1917 during this revolution that, you know, today's what we see going on today is wouldn't even hold a candle in comparison. It's also one of the reasons why during the fifties and sixties, the Soviet union stated that they would defeat America without Mm -hmm. ever having to fire a shot. They saw what was going on and starting to happen in America and they recognized it as part of their own history. And they knew as a, as a society and as a nation, it could never continue to flourish with those types of changes going on. But in, in the Lord's providence, he had other things in mind for the Soviet Union and Russia. But, you know, there's still a big giant question mark on our country right now as to what direction the Lord will eventually allow us to either recover from what's going on or to fall further into a pit of depravity and end up becoming like the Roman Empire, where 200 years from now, we'll just be a footnote in somebody's history book if the world is still around in 200 years. But anyway, go ahead, brother. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think you're, you're spot on the money there. And so that's just something that when going back to what we were originally discussing, You've got churches who have pragmatically decided that the Word of God in its totality is not enough. In fact, it's, it's, it's something we need to, <clears throat> Andy Stanley, unhitch from. And uh, they would rather tell stories, they would rather contextualize, they would rather uh give you 12 steps to a happy marriage 23 steps to making better children or a greater job and they have not equipped the 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 body of professing body of Christ to understand the world at large from a biblical perspective and what's funny is i i i was getting into some of these pragmatism discussions and i this is where i get in trouble i'm going to mention this particular show again the chosen a lot of people have been pointing out there are some serious biblical issues with the content from this series that you, and it's, you can go on. I would not encourage you to watch it, not because I think it's like rank heresy, but because it's not biblical. And I spent some time watching a few of the episodes. And I, let me tell you something. Dallas Jenkins is a very well-crafted uh, director. He knows how to tell a great story. He knows, I'm telling you, these are compelling characters. The writing is good. Um, that's engaging. That's humorous at times. It's you, It draws you in. It's, it's everything that you would want from a good television program. The problem is, is and, and Jenkins and the crew admit this, is that Everything that you are watching, like the, I watched about three and a half episodes the other day, just to make sure I'm understanding what's going on, and it's entirely backstory before Christ calls his his disciples and giving you all this backstory on Nicodemus, Mary of Magdala, Simon and Peter, James and John, Matthew, and you're seeing all this interconnectedness between them and their various stories, and none of it. None of it is drawn from Scripture. It's all fiction. Because we have... And they admit it. It, They they admit when you watch the opening of the video, it will say that they created these stories themselves. They try to be true to the the biblical account of Christ, so to speak, but they encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. But it's all 
fictional backstory. And the problem with that is um, you get hooked. I mean, you get hooked into these characters. You get hooked into this storyline that has nothing to do with the Bible. By the way, historically, looks pretty accurate to probably what the Pharisees like, what the, the political connections between the, the Pharisees and Rome were like, the, the behavior of the people under Roman oppression, the attitude of the Romans to the Jews. It seems to be all fairly historically accurate. They even try to claim, and I, it was one article I was reading, they say, hey, look, we, we brought in theologians to keep us from going out into heresy land. Here's the problem. Their theologians are all Catholics. Some of the people making the film are, you know, Mormon or, you know, have connections to Mormonism. Here's the thing. If you have a television program that's all about Jesus... The Mormon Church, the Catholic Church, and Protestant evangelicals can all watch it and not have a problem? You think maybe there's something missing, like actual theology? And that's the problem. It's now into its third season. And you've got and, and some of us were talking, you know, sharing stuff online about it. And I'm telling you, there were people irritated with me and with others about saying this isn't something we should be using. There were people saying, well, it's drawing people to Jesus. So, well, my comment is, okay, so if something that's not biblically accurate is drawing people to Jesus, what's what's the dividing line here? Sorry, James White. Uh, what's the dividing line here? Where do we draw the line? Where do we say we can't use that? And I, I actually put a thread out about it, and I appreciate some of you guys sharing it. It's like, where do we draw that line? Where do we say, no, 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 we can't use that? That, 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 would, that would be going too far. Where do we stop? I mean, can, can we just deny the divinity of Christ? Because, hey, that might offend some people who think he's just a, a good teacher. Can, can, we, can we say that certain things that are, are clearly listed as sinful, such as perverse sexual immorality? Hey, I know. Let's make a porn movie, an adult film, and, and have it talk about Jesus. Can we do that? No, we, we can't do that. That's that's actual embracing of sin. So there's a line we recognize that we say, no, we can't go that far. Well, how do we know what that line is? It's called scripture. And I think the problem is, Rich, is that we've got a lot of people who are not being a fed, not being fed a steady diet of the scriptures, and they're being fed a steady diet of pragmatism. And so when something comes along, I mean, how many people lost their ever-loving minds recently when, when um, who is it, Amy Grant is now hosting her niece's homosexual wedding. Her niece is marrying another woman. It's not a marriage, by the way. And Amy Grant, the patron saint of Christian music, is hosting this. And people are saying, uh, foul... Five-yard penalty, you can't do that. That's that's against the Bible. And people are pointing out, and we have professing Christians losing their ever-loving minds. How dare you say that of Amy Grant? What sins don't you, are you... Uh, I mean, I'm sure you make mistakes. This isn't a mistake. This is a blatant shaking your fist at God. But we, these, we have Christians who are being fed a steady diet of pragmatism. They can't discern that a super songstress extraordinaire like Amy Grant who's now 
blessing this wedding, this union, this homosexual union, by hosting it. You've got a television program that's well done visually, well done storyline, but is not biblical. And when Christians like who understand our Bible, understand their Bibles, like you and me and others, Rich, who say this is wrong, we can't do this, and they lose their minds, is it then any surprise that as we go further down the line, when a church promotes drag queen drag queen story hour inside the church? Or a church does, hey, here's Santa slaying in on wires on an outreach event where we charge like $50 a ticket for this big concert event in the church because it's an outreach. And you say, yeah, this is unbiblical and people lose their minds. I, I think we can tie it back to the fact you have these are churches that are not faithful to the word of God. And that's something I'd like to see us addressing more this coming year is the encouragement to be back as a church in the scriptures. Well, brother, the first question when people make that comment about drawing drawing them to Jesus, the first question that should be asked is, which Jesus are mm -hmm. you drawing them to? Because it's definitely not the Jesus of the Bible. Amen. It's not Christ, Lord and Savior of the Bible. And it just goes further to prove the gospel the gospel downgrade that we're living in. Um, I came across this article today as we were discussing tonight's episode, and first thing that jumped out at me was basically the pot calling the kettle black because this article came from Christianity Today, you know, the the, the Prince Russell Moore, because, you know, he's such a solid yeah. biblical theologian, and, and, you know, he stands so firm on, on the Word of God. I'm saying that sarcastically. But what I found interesting was they, they posted an article at some point this year, and they were discussing the Ligonier Ministries' report of theology. I'm, I'm butchering, what is it? Oh, the State of Theology. State of the, theology the, yeah. yeah, the State of Theology survey. And they were discussing it, and they were, they were in the article, they went on to discuss how much the U.S. is moving away from an orthodox an orthodox understanding of God and his word. And in this, they quoted back from the Ligonier survey, said more than half of the country, 53%, now believe scripture is not literally true. Yeah. And that was up from 21, that was up from 41% from the biannual survey in 2014. But to answer some of your Basically, it's an answer to some of the things that you said. This, this is like a, okay, this is why people believe this and why they're supporting individuals such as Amy Grant, why they think The Chosen is such a great movie. More than half, 56% of evangelical respondents affirm that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And this was up from 42% in 2020. So from 2020 to 2022 in that survey it went from 42% of people believing this to 56% of evangelicals believing this and keep and I don't know how they defined evangelicals but um, if evangelicals are believing this those that are not considered evangelical are going to be their percentages are going to be even more abstract and not in line with what scripture actually teaches um, 73% agreed that Jesus is the first and greatest being created by God. Jesus is not God. 
that was, let's see. Okay. 43% affirmed that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God, which is a form of Arian heresy, which this article was denouncing along with um, Pelagianism and a couple of others. Pot calling kettle black once again, it's coming <laughs> from Christianity today, but it, it goes on talking about how the American evangelicals are denying the divinity of Christ. Yeah. And it, different other things. Um, this one I really found interesting. It said 57% agreed to, to the statement. Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Oof. 57% of evangelicals agree to the statement that humans are not sinful by nature. And this goes along, along with Pelagianism and it denies the doctrine of original sin. But I mean, you can, I would definitely say go to the Ligonier article and read the survey yourself and not bother yourself with Christianity Today, which leaves a lump <laughs> in my throat just saying that. But among this one, too, among evangelicals, 94% believe sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin, and 91% believe abortion is a sin, both the highest level since the survey began. I'm, I'm not really sure why they went to the point of trying to turn things back to this, but according to the DM, you know, 94% believe sex outside of traditional marriage is a sin. But it's, it's interesting that Christianity today says traditional marriage instead of biblical marriage. Mm -hmm. So they're, 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 they are defining marriage in a way that is actually different than what the Bible defines it, meaning one man, one woman. Yeah they are defining it as two individuals in a monogamous relationship. Um, but anyway, like I said, I just thought some of these findings were rather interesting, especially coming from Christianity today. But um, I, would, I would encourage you to go to Ligonier and read their survey from them and not go to this particular link. But like I said, what jumped out at me more so than anything was the whole concept of the pot calling the kettle black because yeah. anyone anyone in our little circles knows of russell moore and yeah. his stance and his mm -hmm. jellyfish nature but yes. to me it just kind of helps paint this broad picture of, of the gospel downgrade that's going on in america meaning that you can worship Christ, you can worship jesus and you can make a jesus out of your mind and jesus can be anything you want him to be because we have this freedom in America, we can worship God any way that we see fit without realizing, no, God demands we worship according mm -hmm. to his terms, to his definitions in his way. Not only in thought, word, and deed, but especially when it comes to church services, especially when it comes to how the church conducts itself, what the church embraces, what the church stands against. Sadly, today, among most professing churches, they're not biblical in this stance. They're worldly in their stance. And I fear that as time progresses, that's just going to encompass the society more and more and more. Yeah. And what that, what, and people may say, well, what's the answer? What should we be doing? It's simple. Proclaim the, proclaim the biblical way of salvation. Explain sin. Explain the divinity of Christ. Explain his life, explain his death, 
explain the resurrection, explain these things, but it, and then explain it from the Bible, the way the Bible defines things. You may have to use modern terminology to get them to understand, but you take it all straight back to the Bible, and sin has to be defined as God defines it. The sinful nature of man has to be defined as God defines it and use these things and be going out and having gospel conversations, hand out tracts, leave tracts, encourage your pastor to be teaching the congregation how to proclaim the gospel. Over time, and it would probably take another 40 years, but over time, if we honor God in our words, if we honor God mm -hmm. in our churches, if we honor God in our lives, in our homes, in our families, and put his actual word first, instead of leaning left or right, we need to be leaning up. We need to lean upwards and strive higher and higher and higher and be striving for holiness, striving for godliness, and teaching our families, teaching our friends, teaching our children, our grandchildren, those at work, what the Bible actually says, and leave opinions out of it. If someone starts trying to state that you're being hateful, you just explain, no, I'm just telling you exactly what the Word of God says. This is how the Word of God defines these things. It's not a matter of what I want. It's not a matter of what you want. This is a matter of what God declares. This is what God demands. This is the standard of holiness that God accepts. This is the standard of holiness that God only acknowledges. And, and all of that other than through the blood of Christ being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter how much we try to politic, how much we try to reform society, how many good works we try to do. Anything outside of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is just God sees as filthy, filthy rags. And that's as simple as I can absolutely put it, brother. Amen. Amen. And I really think that's what we want to see as Christians and for this show and for the churches in the year to come. That's what we want to see. You know, these are just a, you know, just, just things that kind of came up in conversation. Now, like, what we're we going to talk about. There's so many different things that happened over the course of this last year that we could point to. But things like the, 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 the continued downgrade in the professing church through pragmatism, the continuing rejection of the word of God as sufficient, infallible, inerrant, inspired, the continual efforts to even well-intentioned and even having good reasoning and, and even theology to some, somehow be a little bit more unbalanced in our and focusing on culture. Not saying that we shouldn't do it at all, just in a little imbalanced. Those are things that we saw as a constant theme in this last year. And by the way, there are those that are trying to influence culture on the other side of the camp that somehow they don't call what they do Christian nationalism. Only us conservative people can ever be called Christian. I don't get that. Um, funny how, how, how you can demand social justice... And the government involvement and say, that's all biblical. But if we say, well, the government should not should not make laws where you can kill babies and the government shouldn't make laws that allow for sexual perversion, that's somehow bad. Mm. 
funny the the tangled the, the tangled web you weave when you try to reject God's word. But um, I, I want to make a point with you saying that. I want to make a point. If the professing body of Christ, no, let me let me rephrase that. If the true body of Christ, the true believers in Christ, for the last forty years, had actually been doing mm-hmm. what God commanded by going forth and proclaiming His gospel. If the church had been doing that over the course of the last 40 years, we would not be where we're at today. We would not have this multitude of churches embracing every sin under the sun and claiming that they're following Jesus. We would not have a government debating what is a woman. We would not have a government fighting back and forth over whether it's a sin or not to kill a baby. We would not have a government promoting same-sex marriages and promoting all these other forms of sexual immorality. If the church had been obedient to God for the last 40 years or 50 years, if it had not abandoned God's command of go forth, if it had not abandoned that to invite people to church and embrace the whole seeker-sensitive movement that it embraced during the 70s and 80s and the church growth movements and all these pragmatic movements, if it it had done simply if it had simply obeyed Christ and done what God commanded, we would not see what we are seeing today. Today's society is proof positive that this pragmatic way of doing evangelism, that this pragmatic way of doing church, it is proof positive that was a complete and utter failure. But yeah. yet they will not wake up and stop doing it and cling to Christ and his word. They continue down this path of doing anything they can except honor Christ in their practices and in their words. At least that's my opinion. No, and I think there's a lot of truth in that, brother. A lot of truth. And so what what is our goal for the coming year? What, what do we want to do? I think we want to encourage what Rich just described. We want to encourage our brethren to be faithful stewards of the word, to grow in our knowledge and understanding, but also in our obedience, to live lives that are pleasing to God. And this is one of the things that, and maybe this will be a good show to discuss, um, you have people that try to say, oh, when you're telling people that they have to do, you know, they, they have to stop being LGBT or whatever to be a Christian, you're, you're you're rejecting the idea that we are saved by Christ alone, right? We're saved by Christ, and Christ says if we are His, that we should what obey His word. So not only are we pre- preaching the gospel, but we're also preaching that as new creations, it should be our desire to worship Christ and obey His commandments. And when we re- when we reject that. When we say, no, I can love Jesus. And I, and I had a conversation with a man online who wanted to say this. I, I can I can love Jesus. I, I have this great relationship with Jesus, I'm, I'm, but I'm a homosexual. No, you love your sin more than you love Christ because you won't forsake it. And we want to encourage people to genuinely turn to Christ, to turn from their sins. And we want to be a living testimony to that, that we ourselves are doing that and that the church is doing that that we are seeking to be obedient to the Word of God and that we are appealing to them through the gospel with a heartfelt desire to see them redeemed in Christ. And so hopefully in the coming year, what we will try to do, um, it's easy to kind of chase the topic du jour. It's 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 uh, one of those things that this is what everybody's discussing. We're, it's not that we won't do those things, but I think Rich and I have been talking about it. 
we see those as those teaching moments where we can bring it back to the gospel, bring it back to the scriptures, bring it back to doctrine, bring it back to the obedience and holiness. And so it's not that we're going to say, oh, we're not ever going to talk, you know, talk about the topics of the day and stuff like that. But we, we want to use those as teaching moments. And of course, continue in, to you know, preach topics that are important, not preach, but speak on topics because we're not preachers. We're not going to preach. Uh, <laughs> we're just podcasters, but we're going to speak about those topics. And hopefully we want to continue to hear from you. You guys have been really great about continuing to communicate with us. Continue to let us know about the topics that are he- that are important to you because we want to try to do that. Now, some things take greater study. Some things take more time. Uh, and, and certainly I know some of you guys are like, man, you, you are repetitious submitters and we, we appreciate that. Understand that if we don't cover everything that you've asked for, it's because we want to make sure we're talking about other topics that are important to is other people as well. So just want to put that out there. Cause I don't, I, I don't want you guys to ever think, well, they never covered this one. I, I get it. Please forgive us if we miss something. Um, but hopefully what we can seek to accomplish in the coming year, God willing, if he allows this show to continue and we're not booted off the internet or something for hate speech, um, hopefully what we can do is as these issues come up and they will continue to come up, we can then address them. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a political issue. Maybe it's a social issue. Maybe it's an issue going on in the church. Maybe it's something that's going on at home. Uh, we can use those as those teaching moments that keeps drawing us back to the Word of God and giving biblical answers to respond to them. Because there's a lot going on in the name of the church, and you have a lot of people right now who are going to say, you're a fake Christian. You aren't loving. You aren't this. You aren't that. And they have no idea what it actually means to be a Christian. And so what we hope we can accomplish in the coming year is helping you to know what does it mean to be a Christian? How do I respond to these issues? When people hit me with this, when they say that, when this fad comes up, when this issue is on the table, when this is the water cooler talk, um, like anybody has water coolers anymore, we all, we all have our own water bottles. But when those issues are coming up, you can respond to them in such a way that you have a biblical basis. And if even if we haven't given you the, the answer that you're hoping to get, maybe it's encouraging you to do a little more digging on your own and learn these issues for yourself. And really, that's what the chief of all of this is. It's to get you to go back to the Word of God and do the digging, do the study. Don't rely upon it because Rich and Chris said, please don't, we're two schlubs with a podcast, don't do that. But hopefully what it does is encourages you to dig further in. And so hopefully, and and God willing, please, Lord, help me do this. I will be a better student this year. I will manage my time. My first book starting tomorrow is going to be Reagan Rose's Redeeming Productivity. That's going to be my first book of the year because I really need to organize myself. I'm a mess. And hopefully I can be better informed and Rich and I can work together to help you guys in this area. And so if you think of anything, maybe we can we can help you with that. So Rich, anything more you want to share before we go? Well, first I'd like to put this out there for the listeners. If anyone is interested, let me know. And whether it's part of a segment of one of our episodes or whether maybe it's an audio blog type format, if any of you are interested in 
further research or study in the culture throughout the New Testament because for all practical purposes, the last episode, I covered what was going on around the church in Ephesus. Since then, I've found it rather interesting and been looking into some of the other areas like Corinth and Thessalonica. If you'd be interested in in a segment or audio blog covering specifics around each of those areas, let me know because it's something I'm going to be doing off and on this year anyway. And if you'd be interested in in learning or me sharing what I've learned with with you or if this is a topic you'd be interested in, let me know and I'll see and talk to Chris and see what we can come up with. Um, Kind of drifting off, but um, where Ephesus was ruled by Artemis, Corinth was ruled by Aphrodite and the the digging into some of the history and writings it really jumps out and puts a lot of things in perspective in what paul dealt with with the false gods in his time and what he was surrounded by versus what we see going on in our culture today and the scary thing is we're not even close to the level of depravity that paul faced during his travels through the New Testament, and it, it brings hope because if God could use these men and women during that era to change the entire world, just look what God could do with a small country like America in today's world if we had more faithful men and women going about proclaiming his biblical gospel like Paul and all the disciples did during that era. I find it, uh, a lot of I find a lot of great hope in that especially when you look at the comparison because like i said even as bad as things seem in america today the level of depravity now has not reached what it was then but that was just kind of a thought that i had had in case anyone's interested in it but um closing out kind of backtracking just a moment on something we said earlier um you may think you love jesus you may think you're following jesus And you may think that you have a relationship with Jesus, but the problem is it's a one-way relationship. You're following and worshiping a false Jesus, and you're not truly known by Christ as one of his. You're still known as a child of wrath. And the biggest indication of that is we often hear it phrased that repentance is a change of mind, but it's actually a change of person. You turn from self and turn to Christ. You turn from your sin and turn from Christ. You turn from the love of sin, and you turn to Christ. Um, let that kind of roll around in your mind as, as we close out, or I close out my portion of tonight. But look and read and study on that aspect a little bit more, because I don't think the true biblical definition of repentance is taught and preached enough in our country today because a lot of people think, well, I can just change my mind about this and I'm saved. No, it goes a lot further and a lot deeper than that, because Christ himself said, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, and that which is born of the flesh is flesh. People love to point out John 3.16, but they absolutely despise Mm -hmm. John 3.18 and John 3.36. So whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the biblical way of salvation at least once a day. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it has been a fantastic year spending 
the time that we have with you and some of you guys are so gracious to continue to be to be a part of this VOR family. Uh, we hope that the coming year we can continue to be a blessing to you in some capacity. The thing that, and I say this as someone who, who writes and podcasts, puts stuff online, it's always great when you see interaction and when you see it kind of take off and you see a lot of people sharing. And it can be so easy to get caught up in how many people listened, how many people heard, how many people shared. And it's always a challenge for me to not do that because I have to remember that whether it's one or a thousand, what we're doing this for is is for the glory of God. You guys are really great about continuing to support us, about continuing to interact with us, share, give us feedback. But what we hope more than anything, what we always said is we always had two goals when we started the show. The first was that we must glorify God. Apart from that, it doesn't matter what we accomplished. The other is that we edify you. And so we hope we have done that while at the same time, and most importantly, giving glory to God. And he continues to not only use this show sometimes to help some of you guys understand things, but more importantly, uses it to refine us. Uh, and, and many times, specifically me. <laughs> uh, Rich will tell you there are many conversations about issues apart from the show that um, God continues to work in my life because we communicate so much. And part of the reason that being and doing this show has been so important is it's reflected back to me the things that I need to work on in my own life. And so you guys have been a blessing because you continue to be a part of it. You continue to share it. You continue to uh, use this to, 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 to grow and to glorify God in your lives. So whether it's we ever go down to just one person listening or God uses it to make it more than we have now, it, it doesn't matter. It's not about the numbers. It's not about the reach. It's about are we glorifying God? Are we edifying the saints? Are, are we submitting to God in all that we do? And again, we thank you for being a part of that because it has just made this so enjoyable to do each and every week. We will always strive to be as consistent as possible. As you know, we are uh, we are family men. We have issues in our own lives. And so family must always come first. Health and well-being of the family always comes first. We will do our very dead level best to be consistent to put stuff out every week. But we do ask for your patience when that can't always be the case. And we ask for your feedback as always, because the more we get from you, the more we can do for God and for his glory and hopefully be helpful to you as well. So again, reach out to us, voice of reason radio at gmail.com or through the website slave to the king.com. And, uh, by the way, uh, we ended up with it. I did. I don't know if I told you this rich, we ended up with a new listener because somebody asked about podcasts and they mentioned Voice of Reason Radio on Twitter. This person says, well, I don't really listen on there. I listen to mostly stuff on YouTube. So I tried in and said, by the way, we do have a YouTube page. We don't want to scare you with our mugs. So it's just audio <laughs> with the logo in the background. Well, this person tuned in on YouTube and lo and behold, they are now a regular listener. They listened to one of the episodes and were hooked. So 
by chance, don't forget, we have a YouTube page. I'll put it in the show links. Uh, also going to put the state of theology uh, in the links, and the uh, it's the look the when you look in the links, it's uh, ideological subversion. Yuri Beznamov full interview. I'm going to put that in there. I really want you guys to listen to that because when you start lo looking at why is this going, why is the world so crazy? What is going on? A former KGB propagandist. It's a good interview. Listen to it. Okay, I'm going to put all three of those in there. So, um, but if, if you're a YouTube person. You like to play YouTube in the background. We have a channel. I'll share it with you. Share it with others. But that's how we ended up with another listener. That's another way that uh, people can tune into this program. And uh, it was it was a wild. It was just like, oh wow, okay, yeah. Well, here's the link, and man, we you got a new listener. I'm like, cool. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And I had completely <laughs> forgot you can actually find us on Audible mm -hmm. if, if you listen that way. It's true. If you have an Audible account. Um, they do podcasts on there. We are on Audible as well. So uh, we're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, a couple others. I forget them all. <laughs> but you can usually find us if you just search Voice of Reason Radio and then look for the logo with the VOR and the radio waves, please, because we did not research the name really well six and a half years ago and didn't think about the fact that there were a lot of well, first off, there are a lot of atheist shows that use that, but then I th apparently there's some radio program in the UK that I think it's conservative, like politically conservative, because every once in a while we get tagged and it's a pol it's a political issue. Hey, you need to talk, you, you know, you guys were talking about this or you need to cover this. And it's like, hey, guys, we're not that show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so we're sorry. So you got to look for Voice of Reason Radio. Look for the VOR with the Radio Wave logo. That'll be us. So um, if you are blessed by the program, share it with others, we ask. We'd love to be a blessing to others. Um, if you would consider, again, leaving a review on whatever podcast app of your choice, that also helps others. It doesn't do anything for us. It just helps others to know whether or not this is a program that could be beneficial to them. So just like you leave a book review or a product review, helps to know someone to know to either buy it or avoid it. A review for this show helps people to know whether to listen or move on to something else. So we thank you again. Happy New Year to all of you guys. We hope that this coming year you remember that you serve an amazing, gracious, kind, and merciful God who sent his son to die in your place and arise from the grave so that your sins could be forgiven and you could receive eternal life. As you go into the new year, let that be the most important thing that leads you in all that you do. Do it for his glory, for his purposes, and make sure his name is glorified in 2023. Thank you guys so much. God bless you. We will see you, hey, next year.